I think this this is the part where you talk, Stephen. Oh, do I have to talk? Is that what a podcast is? <laughs> wow. I don't know. This may or may not be our first time. I have no idea. <laughs> first time. <laughs> uh, no, it's not our first time. We are not uh, podcast versions. Um, no. No, but um, we are here once again. Yes, at, we are. At, at, uh, cinematic Adventures um, here on the Cinema Discovery Project. I am Stephen Billings. Um, aka Movie Man 16. I'm just that's the tag I put on a lot of my uh, other things. But I'm also here with my co-host. Uh, he is the Cabzilla, uh, as yep. he he he, he is, uses, uses that username a lot. Uh, Mr. Andrew Cabral, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Glad to be back. The two weeks went by a lot quicker this time um, than last time I felt. So we're we're more locked in this time than we were last time. You know, we were a little, um, uh, you know, rattled by personal things that were happening. Stephen was making a big life-changing move. I yeah. just had a birthday, you know. So, but we're, now we're back in it, and it's officially July 1st when we're recording this. Yes. So the year is over halfway. Yes. So we are halfway towards 2020, which would be... The start of a new decade, mm. uh, which is very, very interesting because I never thought that we would, like, I didn't, couldn't fathom 2020, yeah, I know, like, right? you know, 30 years ago. I, I feel um, like it's just I yesterday we, that we thought that the computers were all going to go off at, you know, Y2K, yeah, you know, I got, I really, I, yeah, I really <laughs> thought that was going to happen. Also, I like, I, I thought we would have flying cars by now, but back to the future no. lied to us. Yes. Or maybe cars that run on water or... I don't know. Well, you know, we, we, form. a lot of our uh, advancements in our culture are held back because I think a lot more because of greed. Uh, you know, yeah. It, you know, we, we probably could have been past, you know, using fossil fuels as our main source of, uh, you know, moving our cars around if there wasn't a bunch of money grubbing people that are already in that oh, business. Y- yeah, it's kind of like anything else. When you have something good, you don't want to give it up at all. Don't give an inch. If you're making money on something and, it, you, and, and the money's just growing, you don't want to change. So yeah. that's what kind of been stuck in a technological rut. Not a rut, but I mean, technological, but I mean like human advancement, like what, like, you know, cars and things like that. Things have expanded, you know, greatly. And things have expanded technologically on the movie front, I think, uh, immensely over the last 20, uh, 25 te- years. The, the thing spe- specifically in America, the only things that tech was that we care about is um, the tech that distracts us more than tech yeah. that actually is uh, important. <laughs> yeah, like like phones, computers, TVs, radios, you know, the things we consume. Basically, you know, all the things that we pay for, we're more concerned about those advancements than things that are actually you know, good, good for society. Society. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it's how how history has always been. There was Very the true. there was gladiators, and that was a distraction. You know, there's there's always a distraction of what's actually going on. Well, you always need, I guess, entertainment to keep people uh, peaceful or at ease or distracted about the horrors of the real world. The, yes, uh, and that's kind of why we, Stephen and I, and many other cinephiles have delved into movies some of for some people it's a distraction for some people it's entertainment for some people it's a it's a, a life thing i know for it me can, and steven it's part of it, big part of our lives it, it's definitely can be a, a nice distraction sometimes but i over the years have come more to engaging in film for its artistic significance you know right. you know what it makes me feel on on a right. deeper level other than just entertainment um, very much so. And yeah. that, that very much leads into what we're talking about this week, which is kind of an overview, a, yeah, I say overview, somewhat in-depth view of the Criterion Collection, the company that has been uh, pushing the boundaries technologically-wise when it comes to movies and consumer-wise when it comes to movies and just educational when it comes to movies in general. Yeah. I mean, literally, the Criterion Collection teaches you so much about world cinema, hist- history in cinema, and just how to make movies in general. I know I've learned a lot of what I've talked about here. I've learned by watching the movies that they've released and the the things that they've been able to include with those movies that have been very informative. Yeah. But before we get into that, 
And it's something I want to talk about briefly. It, it does lead into what we're talking about today, and that is recently, and a lot of people have been talking about this, is Stephen and I have talked about this many times. We wanted a Blu-ray release, finally, of David Lynch's Lost Highway, mm-hmm. and we got one. But yeah. of course, like most things in life, <laughs> you can't always get what you really, really want. Um, but sometimes if you try, you get what you need, according to Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. But basically, what happened is we many people thought that Criterion was going to release Lost Highway. They've released Eraserhead, Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive. Uh, they have all of David Lynch's uh, short films. They have his, his animated series Dumbland, which is insane. So we're like, oh, it's just logical they're going to get Lost Highway. But Kino, like Kino typically does, Kino's a great company. I, I'm not knocking them in any way. They swoop in and they pick up some licensing to things that he didn't really expect that they would, and they did. And they've been making a constant push towards that. And we'll get into licensing a lot when we talk about Criterion, but they picked it up and they were going to release their own Blu-ray, their Blu-ray version. We're like, oh, okay, that sounds that sounds great. But... When it came time to finally release the film, they actually pushed the release like a month in order to like try to get to get some extra things for it, and it just didn't work out. And basically, lo and behold, a few days before the the movie was to be released on uh, on a new release day, David Lynch uh, tweets out or sends a message out into the into the world saying, "I had nothing to do with this release <laughs> that's coming up." So. It had no, I did, it's not called from an, from the original negative. It's not a 4K. It's not a 4K remaster from the original negative or anything like that. So hopefully one day I'll be able to do that. It'll 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 happen. And then Kino says, well, we reached out to David Lynch several times throughout the process to have his input, and he never responded back. And and lo and behold, that they had a whole list of a big extras package. They wanted to do a full restoration. They wanted to do a new cover. They had an, the original cover that they had out. They wanted to they wanted to release it with. They ended up having to strip all of that away because a little behind the scenes thing here is that in order for extras and for a, a extras and even the cover packaging needs to be okayed by uh, the company that they get the license from at Universal Pictures, and apparently also David Lynch. And I don't know if that's the condition for every single filmmaker, or if it's just uh, this particular one. Well, I, I mean, think it's this Lynch, particular one. Lynch usually demands a lot of control uh, when yes. he does his movies. That's why he doesn't do a lot of movies because you know half you know he has to fight for that control before he does anything. So, right, um, he seems to be a super auteur, yeah. where he is in control of every aspect of the filmmaking process. And if he doesn't have full control, he'll he'll walk he'll, away. From he'll the wait project. until he gets it. Yeah. I mean, I remember when Twin Peaks: The Return was in production, and there was something that, like, he had some disagreement with Showtime, and he, he was basically saying, "I'm going to walk away." And then there was this whole fan campaign push, like, "There's no Twin Peaks without David Lynch," and all this kind of stuff. They had all the actors. Uh, tweet out about it or send messages on Instagram or wherever. No Twin Peaks without David Lynch, and yeah, so he's just one of it's just one of those interesting things, like behind the scenes look of the production of of how some of these releases are made, which which now leads us to the Criterion Collection because they take a lot of um, what's what I'm looking for big steps or a lot of. Uh, time and patience and money and effort into putting out probably the best release that they could possibly put out, at least in their opinion. I know there are some people out there who don't like Criterion Collection or some of the things they do when it comes to color correcting or boosting contrast, all that kind of technical stuff. And then there's some people who like who just get annoyed the fact that people put Criterion on a pedestal and like if it's not Criterion, it's it's trash. Yeah, you know so, what I mean? Yeah, some and some people take it a little some people take it a little far. I mean, I I, yeah. I do think Criterion uh, overall maybe you know maybe not in every aspect, but for the most part, when it comes to the actual transfer of the movie. They're right. probably top dog. I would say they're probably top, top dog, but they do do significant amount of restoration work and 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 a lot of stuff. There's great behind the scenes videos that you can see on YouTube that show that they go like frame by frame yeah. to correct all the physical damage 
of of a lot of these films. But we'll get into that. But first, we're gonna take a trip back in the cinema in the cinema discovery machine, back to the origins of Criterion, back to the 1980s. So get your leather out, get your uh, yes. your, your metal. You're maybe maybe you you're listening to some some hair metal, what some white snake, some white snake, some <laughs> Def Leppard, some you know Motley Crue, whatever. And it's 1984, and this and that is the year that Criterion was founded, and it was founded by four, um, three guys: um, Robert Stein, Alien Stein, Joe Madchuk, and then they were joined by someone by name Roger Smith. And what is interesting is that the Criterion initially was a sub, a subsidiary, a subordinate, a imprint of. A software company, mm-hmm. a software company that made like educational CD-ROM programs, and I'm like, that's an inter- interesting origin. <laughs> but I'm gonna get, I'm just gonna run through this really quickly so we can get to the more interesting aspects later. So, in 1985, the Steins, William Becker, and Jonathan B. Terrell founded the Voyager Company, and the Voyager, that's wh- that's the company that made the CDs and all that kind of cool stuff, and the Criterion Collection was a subordinate of them. And in March 1994, some looks like some German group bought 20% of Voyager, then for like seven million dollars. And then the four founders all split up like 20% ownership. And in 1997, the Voyager company went went bye bye, and basically they sold they sold the company, went someplace else. And I think that's when Criterion uh, kind of became itself, really. And the remaining three partners were Aline Stein, William Becker, Jonathan Terrell. They owned the Criterion Collection Company, which had a business partnership and still to this day has a business partnership with Janus Films. And and Janus Films is kind of a distribution company that's been around since the 50s. They really put out a lot of foreign films. That's their thing. Yeah. That's like Fellini, Truffaut, Godard... Kurosawa, all the big heavy hitters that we all know from the Criterion Collection. That Janus Films is really the ones who 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 get all that stuff. Bergman is a big one of theirs, but they also had a partnership with Home Vision Entertainment, and Home Vision Entertainment was in charge of like marketing and distribution and all that kind of you know business type stuff. But in two thousand and five, it was uh, bought by Image Entertainment, and then Image Image Entertainment was responsible for that i image entertainment is another like one of these studio companies that put out movie releases the only reason i think i know image entertainment is because i think they put out the twilight zone on blu-ray a few years ago or something like that Mm -hmm. they put out like blu-rays and things like that but as of november of 2013 this is kind of more modern stuff sony is now in charge of handling distribution i think sony also uh, presses the discs and things like that, because if many of you many of you may not know this, a few years ago, there were there's a bad batch of Criterion discs out there that have disc rot or whatever. They were pressed by some company in 2010, and they basically have started to go brown. The discs have started to go brown. The edges are starting to peel. I have a few discs in my collection that I still need to send two criteria to get replaced because they're going bad. So it's kind of important that you're getting good production value with these discs yeah. because that's your, that's your product. You want, oh, yeah. you want to make sure it's, it's your library, up. man. You got you to take care of your library. I mean, look, you might not watch these, uh, some of these movies all the time, but I mean, you know, you might get yeah. back around to it eventually. <laughs> yeah. And there's a, there is a shelf life for DVDs and Blu-rays and things like that. They do break down over time, Yeah, which is, kind of i think a problem with most physical media is it's not necessarily forever but we've talked about physical media in the past but that's just one of one of the things but it i mean it was 2010 these discs shouldn't be going bad this soon yeah but basically criterion has been around since 1984 and is now 2019 so you could do the math on that what is it 35 years or so sounds about right (laughs) yeah i don't know hopefully i can't i can't do math uh, I gotta, I gotta do it in my head. Like, okay, ten years, ninety four, two thousand four, two thousand fourteen, uh, and uh, thirty five. Okay, thirty five. You years. did it, Got man. It. You did it. I did it. I'm I so proud it of out. you. I worked it out. So now we can get into the more interesting aspects of Criterion. That's like 
this the what makes Criterion Criterion? What makes it have such the reputation that it has? And a lot of it goes back to the very beginning, where just the format that they were releasing movies in was better than everyone else. Um, they released their movies uh, initially on Laserdisc. Yeah. And Laserdisc is a format that's now it's now dead. There are Laserdisc enthusiasts out there, and Laserdiscs essentially are the the prequels to DVDs. Yeah, they're they're, they're record size DVDs. <laughs> they're gigantic. <Yeah. laughs> they are huge. And usually, when you get like a movie, you would have like four, five, six discs, depending on how long the movie is, and you would have to you would have to flip the disc, like yeah. take it out and turn it over in in during the movie and stuff like that. And a lot of the early DVDs, you had to do that too. They would do uh, you know two two sided discs. Yeah, and, and those were a mess because they would always scratch. They would always get um scratch. They would always get like dirt and dust on them and fingerprints, and then the movie would wouldn't work. And, but the thing with laser discs is the one thing you could do with laser discs that you couldn't do with Betamax or VHS tapes is you could put out special editions that had extras. Mm -hmm. Extras is a big thing that's commonplace now. Granted, it's kind of it's kind of going away a little bit, and and it's kind of sad that most releases don't have the extras packages that they used to have because the prices haven't necessarily gone down for these movies. If anything, no. they've gone up, but you're getting less for your money. But back in the day, Criterion really made it worth your while, and they still make it make it, make it worth your while to buy their releases because they would have, uh, you know, deleted scenes, commentaries, things like that that really, you know, well, were informative. Yeah, what what do you, what was the first Criterion Laserdisc? Can you, can you think of oh, it? Oh, my goodness. I can tell you. Do you know it? Oh, Citizen Kane. Yes, good job. Oh, good. Yes, <laughs> got it. And what is also interesting is that a lot of the films that they put out back on Laserdisc are surprising because some of them were um, not mainstream, but like today they're like, wow, I can't believe that was part of the Criterion yeah. Collection at one point. Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, Ghostbusters, yeah. 2001 A Space Odyssey was another one. Uh, Citizen uh, Kane is another this one. Was a, this was a time where there wasn't as much competition. When it came to home media, so Correct. so they they were getting their hands on a lot of good you know a lot of good stuff a lot of some some somewhat mainstream stuff and right. and and now nowadays it's so competitive um, and these some of these movies have have uh, you know had its time and, and are still popular things and still have life and now they can't really get their hands on it anymore um, but I think the collection has made up for it with with going after cinema that you can't find anywhere else and from right. other countries and, and just, you know, like you said, special features, they, they go out of their way with a lot of releases to uh, create new special features, um, to try to get with the filmmakers, cinematographers, and, you know, talk with, uh, critics or, or, or historians. Oh and, yeah. You know. And this, um, practice of extras packaging, uh, continued over to Blu-ray and continued over to DVD, then Blu-ray, and it's really, if, if anything, it's become even more expansive since because you have now you have access worldwide when it comes to communication to people. Like you can like you know find people easily now in the internet age or in the communications the digital communications age now than you could you know back in 1985 you know what I mean it, it's easier to track people down to get them to do interviews to get them to do commentaries and all this kind of stuff unfortunately uh, as time goes on as time has gone on a lot of the people that are were involved in a lot of the releases for uh, you know a lot of the movies that were released by Criterion have passed away the directors and people like that but they have a lot of archival stuff that they also include where it's if they if they were on some French television show doing an interview about the release of the movie when it came out, they'll have that as an extra, which is really interesting because where are you going to find something like that? Yeah. Maybe it's on YouTube. I doubt it. Who's watching that other than people yeah. like Stephen and I? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's very interesting, you know, how how they've gotten a reputation for having you know, being so expansive like that, or being so intricate like that. Also, 
something that's both a positive and a negative about those things is that a lot of those extras are only can only be on these releases. They don't carry over to other releases. For example, yeah. if a, a Criterion doesn't necessarily produce its own uh, movie content, like they don't make it their own movies, they like they get the licenses to release these movies. If they if their licenses expire, they lose these licenses, and their releases go out of print, and some other company picks it up, they don't have access to the extras that were on Criterion unless they go and I guess purchase them from Criterion or purchase the license for it, and sometimes. They, they're too expensive to do it. And the company that picked up the license for some specific movie doesn't want to spend the extra money to do so. So you really need to be made aware of that when it comes to different editions of different movies. Because like I said, Criterion does lose the license to several movies. They keep losing license to movies all the time. Luckily, uh, there's such a network of fans now that... You, you kind of know when things are going out of print yeah. so you can you can grab them before they before you you can't find them anymore that's kind of nice <laughs> yeah I I'll mean, be honest that's kind of nice yeah I mean you get you know as a criterion collector you know you have to decide on uh, what kind of collector you want to be do you want to be what we call completionist where uh, you, you know you're trying to gain every every spy number you can and which means you need to basically get on you know get on it before you know you never yeah. know you know um or you can be like i would say like me and andrew where we kind of we like to uh discover as we go and you know we don't really we're not like necessarily trying to buy everything just to buy it um we we we're looking for interesting films that we can connect with and criterion has a lot of that you know um and, yeah, so, and- there, there's some movies in the collection that don't really interest me very true. I mean, I mean, and there's such a wide range of content that it's it's so interesting. You have uh, English language films, you have foreign language films, you have animated films, you have silent films. I mean, you've got complete collections of people's filmographies. Like, I'm pretty sure they have at least uh, all of Akira Kurosawa or maybe all of Ozu, or or at least the, the large range of it. I know they may have all of Satyajit Ray. They, they have a lot of his stuff that's unreleased so far. And it's very interesting that they hold a lot of those back because, you know, there's still a relative smaller company. And what is interesting is that they've expanded greatly, I think, over the last 10 years. I think they've been yeah. become much more well-known. I don't know if I've just been, now that I'm in tune with the collection that I just made more aware of it, but I think well, it's more well, more widely known. Now I would say it's, before. yeah, I would say it's more widely known because physical media is becoming more of an, um, a niche thing. You know, yeah, we're becoming, think, it's becoming more culty. Like it's more popular because it's, it's not as the, it's not true, as, it's not true. as mainstream anymore. But I'll say when it comes to the sheer volume of what they're releasing, I think has been like, uh, as expanded greatly, like every single month, you know they they announce new releases. Usually, for some usually four month. four releases. You know. Yeah, it's either four or five, sometimes you know six releases, something like that. And so you're getting new Criterion editions every single month, and they range. You know they range. You know they could be re-releases that were just, that were on DVD. They could be brand new stuff. They could be uh, sometimes they'll 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 uh, create a box set of a couple of other releases. But what is interesting to me is what I found out is that I think for Criterion, I think Blu-ray changed everything when it came to collecting for them because that's when I jumped in. I yeah. jumped in when, when they straight up buying Blu-rays. I didn't really buy DVDs unless th- um, the movie was only in that format. And then, of course, as it always happens... It ends up getting re-released on Blu-ray some years yeah, later. Yeah, <laughs> as Andrew knows, I'm a strict Blu-ray buyer. I don't yeah. buy DVDs no, well, no matter I started, what. Yeah, I started collecting. Oh, yeah, like I started collecting DVDs before I started collecting Blu-rays, and I've had to re you know rebuy and all that kind of stuff. So I've fallen into that trap. But I think just Blu-ray has been so fortuitous to Criterion because now they've been able to go back and re-release movies that they had released on DVD and 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 to in some extent laserdisc and give them uh, a new life essentially yeah. they not only go, they've gone back and found um 
better material to make great restorations. That's the one thing that Criterion does that I think is probably their most important aspect of them is restoration and preservation is something that I think goes hand in hand and they do that a lot. Like I said, there's a lot of behind the scenes great stuff that shows them um, making new uh, masters from like original negatives and going in digitally and fixing things frame by frame because a lot of the old film prints just they go bad they decay they they got scratches they got blotches they got splices they've got you know they've got all kinds of stuff that's in there that they you've got to correct and they go in and correct all of them and they don't um and and they do it in a way that doesn't mess up the original intent or the original uh, aesthetic of the the movie too much yeah, I mean, I mean uh, there's a lot of things in, in there where people are more purist. Where oh, is the coloring supposed to be like this? Yeah. Is the contrast supposed to be like this? And I'm like, the most important thing for me is one, people can see these movies now. They look better than they've ever looked before, and they're they're widely available in a in an in a really good format. Yeah, I mean one you know of the I mean? one of the biggest uh, recent ones was the the release of Midnight Cowboy, which has a, a little bit of a teal. Uh, a teal mm. hue to it than right. compared to the original release of it um and and personally i don't think it really matters i mean I, it looks still looks great i mean uh yeah uh, it's, people people decide that they want to uh get all upset about it's the internet um yeah that's true <laughs> and, and one thing i've known or learned about over the years is that film prints or at least good f- film translates very well to hd 35 millimeter, 65 millimeter, 75 millimeter, they really translate very well to the HD Blu-ray format. And what is also interesting is I want to go, as I just want to discuss briefly, is that Criterion does do a lot of legwork when it comes to finding the best materials they can to work with. And that means you have to literally search the world over to find the yeah. best stuff because sometimes you have to go to some archive in Europe or some archive here in the United States or you've got to go to a personal collection that somebody has to find the best stuff because before the modern age of, of uh, movies and before the modern age of restoration and collecting and all that kind of archiving stuff basically like things were just spread out all over the place you could buy a print of a movie you could buy a, a dupe negative or you could buy whatever and you would just it would just sit in your house for like you know 40 years or whatever and then that, that's it it's kind of like like sometimes you hear stories like oh yeah somebody had I don't know I think it was uh, was it like Magnificent Ambersons or something where someone had like like a print of it like in a thing somewhere or maybe it was like something like um um Fritz Lang's Metropolis, where that move, that Blu-ray, it's not a Criterion release, but that Blu-ray by Kino, I think it's by Kino. It yeah, is. Yeah. It's they had to combine elements from a 35 millimeter a print and a 16 millimeter print because there wasn't an entire movie uh, in one film format. Like there wasn't a complete set, and sometimes you have to you have to mix and match stuff, and that's like that's all the behind the scenes interesting stuff that some companies don't go that extra mile to do so therefore you never see these movies at all but luckily criterion does go out and does do all those things and the one thing that they also do that I, that you know if you listen to me for a while now is that i am an aspect ratio purist fiend lunatic whatever you want to <laughs> call it i cannot watch a movie knowing knowing that it is in the wrong aspect ratio that's where i've gotten now in my film viewing life because I feel like I'm not watching the movie properly or I'm not really watching the movie at all and what Criterion has done pretty much you know, not maybe kind of since the beginning or at least since since I've known them and even their early DVD era as well as the Laserdisc era is they in, they uh, did something called letterboxing letterboxing basically back in the day everybody who's old enough now uh, when you were growing up, all the TVs you had in your homes, all the TVs you saw anywhere, they were all square. Movies since like 1955 have not been square. <laughs> They've yeah, been yeah. widescreen presented. Basically, you know, a, a wide a wide aspect ratio. The movies are not are not square. They're not. That's not the way they've been. That's not the way they're projected in the movie theaters. But that's the way they were they were projected at. They were projected at home. 
in the full screen 1331 format. And when you did that, when you took that movie, you were basically cutting out like a third of the frame of that yeah. movie. And you were only seeing certain things would be cut off or they would do pan and scan, all this kind of nonsense. But since now we're in the widescreen era, all of that has been thrown away. You don't need letterboxing anymore. But letterboxing, what it would do, it would basically give you a widescreen movie in its intended aspect ratio at home on your square TV, your big tube TV. And they did that. They were on the forefront of that. So when DVDs came around, they continued that. And a lot of their early DVD releases that you can still kind of get your hands on now are letterboxed. And they kind of suck when you watch them on a widescreen TV because initially on your square TVs, they would have black bars on the top and bottom to preserve that widescreen aspect ratio. But if you already have a widescreen TV, now they create bars on all sides of the yeah, screen. Yeah. So you're basically watching like a, like a rectangle imprint in your TV. Yeah. And depending on the size of your TV, you really can't see anything that's going on. <laughs> uh, so, But that's that's something that they, they were on the forefront of doing. But now we have anamorphic widescreen, so that's kind of a thing of the past. But yet again, they were they were ahead of their time. So with all of that being said, Stephen, where did you start collecting criterions where did you first hear about it um how 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 did your addiction start basically yeah, well <laughs> uh it, it, my addiction started when we when me and you started becoming friends yeah, you know, we yeah. started talking about it but the first criterions i bought um was really not out of like any need to want to collect to collect you know to start collecting criterions it was just that that there they were particular movies that i was interested in and you know I was just kind of starting to use Amazon as a resource to buy movies. And, um, you know, I saw, I think one of the first ones I bought was uh, 39 Steps. Um, you know, oh, I wanted to get one. I wanted to get more into Hitchcock, and I saw that, and I bought it, you know, and it happened, it happened to be part of the Criterion Collection movie. And, you know, also at the time, Christopher Nolan was starting to become popular, and... I saw that he had a movie on, you know, th- that I had never heard of, and it was called The Following, or Following, and and I bought that, and it happened to be a criteria. I was like, what is this Criterion collection? Didn't really think much of it. I bought a few. Right. I think I also bought uh, like uh, The Killing, uh, Kubrick movie, early Kubrick, uh, you know, a few other ones, and uh, that's really where it started. I didn't, I didn't have any real. I wasn't really into boutique labels yet. I, I right. just wanted to buy movies. Yeah. And this is all, like, I don't mean to date you, but this is all within the last couple of years for you, right? No, 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 no. It's been at oh. least, it's been maybe about, that was maybe about seven years ago when I oh, first okay. bought them movies, and then I had them for a while, and then when I met you, it's been about, what, three years ago maybe now or something? Yeah, yeah, when, when we started doing Top 5 Weekly with our buddy Dan. Yeah. That's That was about 2016, because that's around when I started my YouTube channel, um, kind of, you know, I was doing that. I was doing my YouTube channel as well as Dan's show at the same time. That's when I met you. And, yeah, I've been collecting myself. I've, I've talked about when I started collecting about 2007. But Criterions, I, I heard vaguely. I remember one day I was sitting having lunch in college with somebody, with my buddy, my buddy Curtis. And he said, he's mentioned, I think he mentioned Brazil. Mm-hmm. Terry Gilliam's Brazil and how it was part of some collection where it's like numbered and all this kind of stuff, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know what Criterion was. I was collecting just mainstream DVDs, like new releases every week at the time, then getting some old like indie stuff like Pulp Fiction and yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know, just building up my, my library at the time. I didn't think anything of it, and I really did not start collecting Blu-ray. Uh, I really didn't start collecting Criterion seriously until I went to my first Criterion sale at at uh, Barnes and Noble and that was about 2011 I want to say but before then I had bought um, a couple on Amazon because for some reason Amazon had a a not a collection but they had a um, a, a criterion sale of their own I didn't know what they were I had no idea what they were I was like oh these movies are interesting I I've heard I've heard about it it was like uh, things like Breathless and M and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
and I was like, oh, that's that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, and at and first, so I, at first, I just bought a bunch of them. Yeah, at first for me, I was just going after things I recognized. You know, I would go after something like maybe like. You know, like I said, you know, from directors that I'd heard of, um, or more modern films, um, the, the few moder- more modern films they would maybe carry in there, you know, Fear and Loathing, or oh, yeah. you know, oh, something yeah. like that, I would go after, uh, you know, I went after a lot of the Cronenberg, like I went after um, Scanners pretty early, because um, I'd, I'd seen that at some point in early in my life and oh yeah um i'm trying to find I, I'm, I'm looking now and i can't find because i bought a whole crop of blu-rays at that sale and the sale was like spring of 2010 and i know i bought like wings of desire and i bought like yeah. uh yo jimbo and sinjuro i think those are like the two um like first cry uh like kurosawa films i ever had in my collection it was that it was that blu-ray two-pack here we go yeah it was april of 2011 okay yeah, because I'm looking on. Luckily, Amazon like they they always tell you what what you order when, so you don't rebuy stuff, bastards. Um, anywho, so that that was when I bought that. So I probably didn't buy. Yeah. So then I and then the Criterion sale was that July, and I think the first two I ever bought, I think I've said this many times, was Darjeeling Limited, and the Thin Red Line were the yeah. first two I bought at that sale, and it's very interesting. Uh, wow, I can actually view this. Oh, this takes me back. What were you doing with those? Yeah, I bought Yojimbo, I bought America Lost and Found, and I bought Blowout. America Lost and Found is that um, that BBS box set that has like yeah. Easy Rider yeah, yeah, and yeah. five easy pieces. I bought those. Um, yeah, I bought Blowout pretty early too. Yeah, I bought Blowout pretty early. Those and and yeah, Blowout was one of the first ones I watched. And I was like, wow, this is this is, this is amazing. Um, and then I watched I watched like Easy Rider early on and five easy pieces, all that kind of stuff. But then the following year, 2012, is when I really started going going hard, like going seriously <laughs> hard, like at the sale when I was buying like, you know, six or seven titles every time I would go. That was when my friends and I, we would um, we would go there early to try to beat like some in some rush that we thought was going to happen yeah. because because, you know, in the area I live in, there's a lot of colleges nearby, a lot of, you know, artsy colleges. So you figure there's going to be like people who are going to be into foreign film that are going to want to go buy these releases so we thought we would get there before they would and lo and behold we would go there and they they you know some some of them would be there but that's when we we met a couple of you know people there we would just sit there for like hours just like talking about these different movies browsing browsing over and over again the best it was such a it was such a communal gathering of cinephiles budding cinephiles and we were buying stuff that like most of the stuff was blind buys, you know. Yeah. It's like that's like when I bought Shallow Grave by that's, Danny Boyle. That's my like favorite. I knew who he was, and I'm like, Damn, like, but that that release had just come out, and people were like, and I was like, oh yeah, I'll buy this, and I bought, I just went crazy, bought a bunch of stuff, and, and every year I go there and I buy a bunch of stuff. But now since I've started my YouTube channel, I've been going, I've been doing like, um, uh, like the, like you can, I've been shooting footage while I'm there. To yeah. show people like, oh, this is what my local Barnes and Noble has in stock, and this is what the, their setup looks like, and you can see the evo- the the de evolution of the physical media section at Barnes and at my local Barnes yeah. and Noble, how their movie section went from like, you know, you would have like 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 there was like a back and front large like shelving unit of full of Criterion's, and now it's boiled down to like two and a half rows of Criterion yeah. releases, and I'm like, oh, this is. So, what a so, disgusting so, sight! Yeah, so look, I got I got a couple questions for you. Yeah, go do it. What do you think is one of the, the most you've spent on a set at a sale? Entirely, no, just like, like, like one a, like one a, a one, whole one month. month, one particular occasion. I'll I say in in one month. Typically, it's probably the July sale, the July leg, because it's every July and every November at Barnes and Noble, and we I, honestly we don't know how long that's going to keep going because. Barnes and Noble is kind of like the last uh, mainstream bookstore uh, chain in well, the country, well, and they actually just got sold to some company. Well, I, so I can they, actually they, they're sort clo- of they're closing. Uh, I can they're actually closing. give you some news on that a little bit. I was actually okay. when I was there um, this past week uh, to buy some uh, from some Criterion's. The lady there was telling me that that. Um, that things actually are, are looking up with the new owners mm-hmm. because their their strategy is 
little it makes more sense. Uh, okay. they're, they're thinking about kind of uh, going in, you know, basically making neighborhood Walmart versions of Barnes and Noble, making them smaller, um, putting them in in more in more in more communities and not you know, these massive stores. Um, uh- so that's that's good from uh, I would say bookstore sense. What that means for for the criterions movie. for yeah for for yeah, movie the movie yeah. portion that might mean that that might go away. Possibly. Yeah, because I know a lot of stores around me have gotten rid of their movie sections years ago. Yeah, um, like right now there's only two stores within like within an hour drive of me, or I would say 45 minutes. Um, that have that have them now. There's like yeah. one in my state that has one, and then like there's one like right over the border in the next state that has that has them. But there's another Barnes and Noble, or two Barnes and Nobles in my state that don't have movie sections anymore, and they haven't had any for like forever. But when it comes to going back to what you're saying, the most I've spent in one month, man, there was one month, and this was I think before, before I met before I met you, where I bought like. Uh, 30 titles or 30 yeah. something 33 titles or something like that that was probably my biggest month and if you figure I don't even know if that included box sets but I, it was like 30 or 33 or 34 yeah. titles or something like that um, I know you've gone very extensive yeah I, I can't say how many I, I, it was it, it was in that range maybe a little more uh, it, yeah. I know I spent over a grand in a month one time yeah I didn't I don't think I've ever gone that high yeah. I think money wise <laughs> 300 400 something yeah. like that because they, to be honest i mean people's like are hearing these numbers and are like oh man i can't believe you spent that much it's because they're tra- to, it's because one yeah. single title is 20 dollars a pop yeah not only that but like regular priced regular price criterion title that you know that's on the, the that's on the the ticket is 39.95 or 39.99 so typically the 50% off sale gets it down to you know, twenty bucks. Yeah. And but if you also have the correct, if you also have the Barnes and Noble uh, membership, which is a yearly long membership, costs like twenty five bucks. Um, that knocks off another ten percent, so yeah. you can get them for around eighteen. Eighteen dollars from forty to eighteen is a significant, you know, reduction Definitely. in price. What used to happen, and I don't know if Stephen came late to this game, but I know. Used I've to, done used this. to be able to stack, yeah. Oh, we could stack coupons because if you also signed up for the membership, they would uh, they would send you coupons like every month in your email, and they would it would be fifteen percent or twenty percent. I typically kept getting twenty percenters. Some people got fifteen. I, I don't know. There, how there were change. times where I got some twenty fives and thirties. Uh, yeah, and anywho, yeah. you could go in there, you could stack them up. Um, there would be times where I've gotten box sets that were a hundred bucks, like the Jacques Demi box set. Where you take the fifty percent off plus ten percent plus twenty percent, and next thing you know, you're paying thirty five dollars for a hundred dollar box set. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, uh, Barnes and Noble caught up to that, and no. they don't let you use coupons anymore. No. You, the you might get lucky every once in a while that somebody doesn't know that you can't u- use them, and you might get another ten percent off or twenty percent off. But I'll say this: I'll say this to people out there. Make friends with the store managers at your local <laughs> Barnes and Noble, because that happened to me once. Where, like, I tried to do it, and then they called the manager over, and the manager, I guess, like, recognized me or whatever, because I, I would, I, I used to go into my Barnes and Noble like every week just to look at books and whatnot. So they got to you know recognize me, and then she, she did it for me one time, but that was like the last time yeah. I was able to do it, and that was on like a regular release. That wasn't on a box set or anything. But that's why we take advantage of these sales when they happen in July and in November. Now, everybody doesn't have to do that. And that's just something that Stephen and I do because we're, we're collectors at heart of physical media and Criterion puts out a great physical media product. Um, and for the rest of the year, typically Criterion releases can be found other places. They're not only at Barnes & Noble. You can buy them directly from the Criterion.com website. Uh, Typically, they're full price there, so not full yeah, price, but they're like every, thirty bucks. Yeah, and there's there's a couple times throughout the year where they do like a fifty percent off sale. a yeah, flash you, sale. Yeah, you do have to pay for like shipping. Shipping it makes it makes them like twenty five bucks a piece, basically. Um, so it's not as great of a deal, but yeah, I mean, Amazon usually has a lot of the stuff priced pretty well. Uh, definitely discounted better than than buying it straight from Criterion. Oh yeah, typically. Uh, for a Criterion release right now, if you go on Amazon.com, um, a typical uh, Blu-ray release uh, from them 
is like twenty five to twenty seven dollars, which is about like what's that like thirty something percent off? Yeah, thirty five percent off. Yeah, thirty five percent, which is not a bad if you re- if you want to buy that movie right now. You can do it. It just depends. Want... It depends on the release. It depends. Yeah, on... if you if you want to wait for the sale, you save like ten yeah. bucks essentially. You know, around that because you figure now, depending on your state, Amazon charges you tax, charges yeah. you tax, and if you don't have Amazon Prime, you got to pay for shipping or whatever. Whatever your circumstance is, um, it all depends. But Criterion has has grown extensively, and there's a lot of titles now. We are approaching spy number one thousand because, yeah. as I said. Each spot, each movie typically has a number. Sometimes, no. Sometimes it's just the box set that has a number, and the individual movies don't. Sometimes the individual the individual movies do have a number, and the box set itself has a number yeah. as well. It really all depends on depends on how significant I get or yeah. how, how how significant the release is. Like the, right. if it's something like the Martin Scorsese you know project thing where yeah. I, th- I think all the movies did get spy numbers but i don't know if and the then, box set did um yeah and when it, yeah so each of them like i said are numbered the laser discs were numbered as well but i think when the dvds came around they started renumbering yeah and they started from number one but when the dvds made when they made the transition from dvd to blu-ray they just continued on with the numbering they didn't start renumbering yeah unfortunately for those of you out there who want to know what n- number one is it's out of print, and it's a DVD of Jean Renoir, Jean Renoir's uh, The Grand, Grand Illusion. Yeah. yeah. Or La Grande Illusion, as yeah, yeah, yeah. they say. Uh, the Grand Illusion, which is, you can find it on Blu-ray from, like, Lionsgate. It's Studio Canal. From Studio Canal. Yeah. Uh, and and what's also interesting about Criterion is that sometimes they do work with other companies across the pond, like BFI or Studio Canal or, you know, other other places that are curators of you know hard to find foreign films um when it comes to other releases from criterion um like we said they do do uh giant box sets and they do uh box sets that are can be trilogies they do box sets that can be 20 movies long they just did that uh, that ingmar bergman box set which everybody just went yeah. bananas over and got it i know i got one steven yeah. i think you got one too uh, I know people are picking them up now at this sale. I'm really glad. That yeah, not, now now they're back. In, now that it seems that they're stocked up because yeah. when it first came out, you couldn't get one unless yeah, I you. I think they sold out quick. It, we, it's, we, not, it's not a cheap set. It's not a cheap set. No, we. I, I mean, I got. I grabbed mine quick. Uh, mm. And being that's why you make friends with your Barnes and Noble. People. <laughs> you know, they they yeah. set it aside for you, and uh, and that's All, what uh, happened with me. So yeah, another word of warning for those of you shopping at Barnes and Noble. Your local Barnes & Noble may do something that is so unforgiving that <laughs> something that Stephen and I hate more than anything is they put that this goddamn spider wrapping For some reason, they on think, the box let's, sets. let's put some wire around this very expensive thing that you know collectors buy where it's not just the films that they're buying, but they're buying the packaging. The packaging. Let's fuck up that packaging. That, yeah, that'll, make us, that'll make them want to buy it more. There's like these... Four, these four claw-like wire things that are attached to like a, a sensor so that like when you go through the the detector you know it detects whether you pay for something or not you know they, well, they take <sighs> it off before you, you you leave but sometimes whoever puts them on puts them on so tight that they that they create uh um like grooves and in the packaging yeah, impre- impressions in the packaging destroy them yeah. sometimes they, they crunch them they crunch yeah. it and it's just so bad. And it's like a lot of these packages that we haven't even touched on. We touched on packaging a little bit in an episode before, but some of these packages are elaborate or some of them are done with, you know, thin cardboard or something like that. That's going to be prone to, yeah. to not being manhandled in any way. Yeah. But when it comes to other releases, they do have a line of something called uh, Eclipse sets. Yeah. And Eclipse sets are DVD sets that I I can't remember what number they're up to now. Um, I think it's, think it's like it's I think it's like close to fifty, isn't it? In uh, like forty in the forties, I, I think. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna look it up, but I want to say that that these sets are typically only on DVD, and they are they are numbered, but they don't count. They're not for part the of the main numbering. collection. Yeah, they're yeah. not part of the the main collection in any way. They are. Um, they 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 would call yeah. them you know. Lesser-known titles from big filmmakers, you know, like you got some early Bergman in there, early Ozu, you know. Yeah, like. yeah, and they do start, you know, from number one, but 
let's see what the because I know yeah they're up to and they're they're up to significant yeah they're pretty I think they're past forty hold on because I got a set yeah because I have the the most re I don't collect these typically unless they're they're something special I I do want like all of them though that that's a secret ambition early of mine. early Bergman was the last one wasn't it. No, I think early Bergman was like the first one. Um, there's 46 was um, Ingrid Bergman's Swedish years. That came that's out, what I, uh, yeah, I, that's what I was came out last November. Of. That may be the most recent one. Um, I'm actually. They don't, they don't put out a lot of them. They don't put out a lot of they Eclipse. They don't, they don't, but they do, but they're, they're nice though. And I know a lot of people don't, maybe not don't like them. I, I honestly can't, can't say what they like and what they don't like, but I'll say this, they are, um, they're of movies that probably wouldn't see the light of day on physical media unless they were put out in this format. Yeah. I'll say that. That's the one thing that's good about them is that at least you have these movies available to you to watch and to own. They're not, they, uh, and they typically, they're not, uh, they don't school. put. They don't put it. They don't put as yeah. much into the restoration. Um, they don't put really much, or if anything at all, into the restoration. Unless it's, I'm assuming, unless it's really bad. If it's unwatchable, they gotta do something. Yeah, yeah. Come the, on now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of them. Well it's one of them things. Out. I mean, we yeah. can talk a little bit about like some of the, um, you know, somewhat, not as you know compared to other boutique labels. You know, I would say Criterion doesn't necessarily. Um, do packaging as well as some of the some of the other ones. I mean, we 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 we've talked about it before. Arrow is pretty um, legit when it comes to packaging. Yeah, um, they yeah they've they they have a huge like awesome packaging game. Um, and, where... and, and and they they also put out things that would probably be uh, you know Eclipse series movies and put them out on Blu-ray instead of just DVD. Um, yeah. Um... Yeah, that's true. And also, yeah, I was right. The Eclipse series forty six Ingrid Bergman Spears years was the last one um, put out. Yeah, the first one is early Bergman. Okay, I got confused yeah. with that. And then like I have a couple of these. I have like late. Um, I think there's an early Ozu set that I have. There's two early Ozu sets. Like one's comedies and one's like dramas. I think. Yeah. And I think I've got I got one of those. I really want. The late Ray set. Yeah, that's the one. That's the only one I have. <laughs> yeah, that's the one I want. What's crazy? I keep seeing that like at a local place that sells like used stuff, and it's like fifteen dollars. And I'm like, you know, I'm gonna buy you. That's a, <laughs> I'm that's really a gonna good, buy you. That's a good uh, a good little con- discussion, real quick. Uh, right. What is out out of all the things that you've discovered from the Criterion Collection? What do you think is the most profound thing that you've discovered? Filmmaker, movie, whatever. Damn. Damn. That's a loaded question. I know, right? I've learned. I'll be honest. All I've learned so much from watching these movies that my entire like film education is basically been gotten from Criterion Collection, and that's. And I know I've mentioned I've I've watched and I've took a couple of you know film classes in, in college and stuff like that. I've learned more by just watching these movies and the extras than I've learned from um, anything. It's like yeah. my whole educational like life was. Well, paled in comparison to what I've learned by watching movies. Uh, yeah. Put that on a, a, a blurb somewhere. <laughs> but I'll say this. Um, some of the filmmakers, I don't think I would have ever discovered had I not wa- had I not had access to them through Criterion Collection. People like uh, Truffaut, Fellini, um, Bergman. I, well, you, I, you, I had always known who Bergman was, but yeah. I didn't know well, you, where to watch his movies. Yeah, you, you know, know I mean? me. My, mine is Satyajit Ray. I mean, that's... Yeah, Ray... Ray's a recent one that blew my like I to be honest Ray I have nobody knows who Ray is and I'm like why does nobody know who this is this guy is amazing I mean even amongst a lot of nerd you know film cinephiles it's he's not as really talked about as much I mean I mean I mean sure if you're familiar with the Criterion Collection you've probably heard his name but you know a lot of people just don't know who he is I mean it's he's not talked about I collected Criterion for years, and I had never heard of it. Yeah, I mean... Until, yeah. until the Apu Trilogy box set was yeah, announced. Yeah. And even then, I'm like, who's that? What are, what are these movies? Yeah. And, I, and, then, and then, like, when the next sale happened, like, after the movie had come... After the release had come out, people were buying it. And like, like, a lot of people were posting about it, like, on Twitter and Instagram and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, apparently I'm not part of this, this cool party <laughs> that everybody's been a part of. But that box set... 
you can learn everything you need to know about Ray in that box set by those three movies as well as all of the extras they delve into his career his backstory the the way he made his movies why his movies are so significant why they are different than any other films that were made in india at the time and that's what a lot of these box sets do is they give you a lot of wealth of information um the 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 jacques demi box set is the same thing you get a lot about jacques demi his relationship with the other um, French New Wave filmmakers and just all this kind of just contextual stuff that you just don't get by just watching a movie. Yeah. That's the one thing is with a lot of these foreign films is it's not only the movies themselves, it's the context around them that make them and so good. It, yeah, and that's that's what's so important about the collection is, you know, for a lot of us, like, you know, Criterion Collection's an American company and, you know... Yes, prom- unfortunately, it's limited to here and... Canada can can get them too. Sure, I mean anybody yeah. can get them, but you know it's it's yeah. a primarily an, an American company, and and for, for you know especially for obviously for foreign films, um, you know it's good to have that you know somebody help explain you know right. the the context of the movie for you to better understand it and 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 appreciate it. Yeah, I also do want to say they have expanded to the UK since 2016 they put they've been putting out releases there it's not anywhere near the amount that we have here but they have they have criterion collection in the uk now yeah. kind of similarly to now we have arrow video here in the u.s but arrow's putting out a lot more stuff here than criterion's putting out there yeah but um it, it is that goes to the whole region encoding thing it's 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 2019 just, it's just kind of bullshit your, just get yourself a region free player no yes. that but like th- this shit shouldn't really exist anymore but it kind of <laughs> does i guess for money reasons it's, also. it's like, yeah it's a money it, thing. there's some tech stuff with it where in in the uk like their encoding is different than the way our video encoding is they run on pal which is faster than uh, we run NTSC, so it's a whole big thing. Anywho, that that's something for another time. But let's just say there's a reason why different areas of the world can only watch certain movies or only have certain movies available to them. But like Steven said, there are region-free Blu-ray players, there's region-free DVD players, there's region-free 4K players now. So you can see it if you want to. Also, it they've also tried... Something I think we should talk about here... Um, before we go, is that Criterion now has made strides to expand their exposure past the physical media realm. We've all talked about um, Filmstruck extensively, so that was kind of their first, not their first foray into streaming world. Before then, they had a partnership with Hulu for a couple of years where you could stream a good portion of the Criterion Collection library on Hulu. That's kind of the reason why I first bought Hulu, you know, paid the subscription for that. But then we had Filmstruck, which was a partnership between, you know, TCM and, and Criterion and Warner Media and all that kind of stuff. That went into the shitter because niche market and all that bullshit. We talked about it many times. We talked about it. We're past it now. We're past it. We're past it. We're above it. Yeah, we have, uh, we have the Criterion channel now. Now we have the Criterion channel which is something I think is solely owned and operated by Criterion Collection, kind of taking that format from from Filmstruck now into the streaming world because the way people consume movies is now is is different than the way they've consumed it's, it in the past, and you need to expand in order to stay alive. It's it's an interesting thing, you know, yeah. a company that is, you know, you know, its whole business model is about selling physical media, but yeah. it, feel, it yeah. needs to. It needs to have a streaming service to help, I guess, supplement. You know, because I mean, for some people, you know, when they are buying physical media, they're you know they don't buy something unless they've maybe seen it. You know, it's right. some people ain't like us where we're we're willing to just blindly buy something because we trust in the Criterion yeah. name. That's um, true, and 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 it gives them more brand exposure. Yeah, it's it's another marketing tool. Um, and it introduces people, I think, to Criterion Collection that perhaps it, it, weren't didn't know about it before. It's also, yeah, I mean, like kind of like kind of what you're saying. It's it, it also can maybe gauge the audience to to possible other you know other physical releases. You know, what if they put something that they haven't physically released on Criterion Channel and they see that it's getting something's getting a lot of clicks and a lot of views and and uh, that well, might be like, yeah. oh, maybe we should release that physically. 
Yeah, and and it it does also lead to like what I said touched on earlier is that they do have a lot of things in the library that they haven't released in the physical media format. Because well, the yeah. license licensing for streaming is different than licensing for very true physical media. Not only that, but just like perhaps it's a movie that is just so you know deeply buried in someone's catalog that it's not perhaps monetarily worth it to go through the whole restoration problem and the printing of the discs and yeah. selling and all that kind of stuff. They're not going to make any money off of so they can put it on, you know, the streaming platform and not have to, and just people can see it. You know what I mean? Um, but what they've also done, what I really like, is they've put a lot of their Criterion Collection editions, now put editions in quotes for some reason, <laughs> they put them on there with the extras included. Yeah. Very important because the reason why a lot of people are buying these releases is because of the extras packages that include audio commentaries, yeah. interviews, all this kind of stuff. And they're putting them on there with all these so you can get the physical media criterion experience through streaming, uh, through streaming the criterion channel. And and you, you're basically playing what the average is you know, for a streaming service. It's not an astronomical amount. Yeah, you can pay. You can pay for What's a year, like, and I think I paid what ninety it, bucks or something. Yeah, I paid monthly because I'm not like Steven. But <laughs> I, play, I I think it's what like ten bucks a month, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, ten ninety nine. And you know, like we, we we discussed it back before yeah, about you know how people think that maybe that's too much for you know a, a site that's running old films. You know, and I'm like, right. well, I mean, it's it's. It's historically significant. It's not. It's not. I, I know a lot of people just want to watch new stuff, but I'm, you know, for me, I, I, right. I, I am watching new stuff. It's stuff I've never seen. <laughs> yeah, and Criterion has streamed on other services before. Like I mentioned, they've also streamed on on Canopy, and they've, Canopy. They've released can, some stuff on Amazon too. Yes, they have. Um, they've all, but Canopy, I think, was something that's a service that's through. Uh, your library, your local library. If you have a library card, apparently I think you can sign up for that for like for free. Apparently that's uh, not a. Apparently that's not working out for the libraries very well. Apparently. Oh, is it not? Now I, I've I, heard I, recently I, that they, they were discussing it on a um, Criterion Now, which is a is a podcast that uh, okay is is talks all you know of course primarily about Criterion. They were saying that Canopy. Uh, apparently, it's costing the libraries a lot of money. Oh, I run. could only imagine. Yeah, I could only imagine. I mean, they all. I mean, libraries are already providing a free service to us when it comes to books and things like yeah. that. Um, I mean, I've recently, you know, re-signed up for a library card and whatnot because they offer, a, you know, digital services now where you can get audio books and e yeah. uh, e books now and check them out like you checked out regular books. But they probably could, aren't making money off of that either. I mm -hmm. mean, it's it's gov it's a government funded thing, I believe. If I'm if I'm not um like mistaken, I was looking for something else and I can't find it. But anywho, yeah, that's that's Criterion in a nutshell. Um, now I'm just looking for what they said about Canopy here. Yeah, it was on Hulu Plus and and all that kind of stuff. But what I also did here and before I before we check out, is that when Warner uh, Media releases their streaming service, which is supposed to come out later this year or perhaps next year. I think it was supposed to be like November or December. Yeah, I they think. said it was. Yeah, I've seen like quarter nine of 2019. <laughs> it's like, that's like economic term for like the last, what? The last uh, three, three months, months of the year? Yeah. Anywho, they could have pushed it by now. Who really knows? But all I know is that like apparently you'll be able to get the Criterion channel like as a part of it or something like that like it'll be available via via, via through it or something like that yeah so as a part I, of a bundle yeah know? that's yeah. my assumption but we'll see when that when that happens um but yeah that's pretty much criterion collection in a in a in a bundle the one thing i do want to mention before we check out <laughs> again <laughs> again we're, we're we're approaching spy number 1000 and with the new releases that were just announced, I think that's going to get us up to like nine ninety seven. It's so, looking, like, it's looking like the next month that's announcing yeah, might be yeah. the one thousand, or maybe the one after that. We'll see, because they might we'll do see. some re-releases to to bump it up. Oh, uh, don't knows? be, don't do that. That's such a tease. They might, they might wait to the November, you know. You yeah, know. because right now, because they release the the releases they announce each month are like several months ahead. 
you know, I'm kind of laying out three months, usually several, three months ahead. Yeah, yeah. Usually, so they just announced the September releases. Yeah, so we right? we, that, we got October coming up in the next couple of weeks, and yeah, and if it isn't in that month, I, I, part of me is thinking they're going to do a couple of re-releases and bump it to the to November is what I'm thinking, but you know. Mm. Mm. I know, mm. I know. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're up to what is very yeah. What's our last number? What, where are we at? Uh, I just said. Uh, let's see. Out of the yeah, Clooney Brown, which they just announced, the Ernst Lubitsch film is nine ninety seven. Mm. Mm. I'm looking Damn. here because because they also announced. Remember we 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 talked about they announced polyester. There's another number here next to polyester that's polyester would be nine nine five, but there's a number another another number here that says two one zero. You know, is that the laserdisc number? Maybe the laserdisc number. Oh my goodness, I am cycling through nine hundred uh, releases here. <laughs> it's gonna take some time. Yeah, oh that's goodness. probably not worth it, buddy. Yeah, oh yeah, it is the laserdisc number. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> the way it has it, the way it has it set up on Wikipedia, you can see all the releases. It's got Grand Illusion. Number one, yeah. but next to it, it's got spine number, and then it has laser disc number, and then it's got you know like name yeah. if it's on Blu-ray or if it's an art house release. Another thing we didn't we didn't discuss is they had their DVDs had an essential art house imprint that I think they've gotten rid of. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they have. Yeah, they don't do basically, that. Basically, yeah. it's like a bare bones version of like a movie that they've released in a proper release. Something like uh, Rashomon had an essential. Re- and it had an essential release. So basically, like, it doesn't have, like, the restoration or anything like that. Essentially, it's kind of... But it's cheaper. That's why yeah. they made it. So people could have access to it. But it, it they don't have to pay the, the full price for it. Um, but that's something that's kind of defunct now. Now, now that we're into Blu-rays and past DVDs and all that kind of stuff. But... Yeah, so now now that's it. Now, Stephen, you got to get us out of here. Let, I'm going to keep talking I'll, forever. I will stop you. <laughs> stop um, me. Somebody stop me. We could, yeah, yeah. Good job, Jim. Um, <laughs> you know, we could, yeah, we could we could get deeper. We, we probably will. This is kind of a part one, maybe. You know, maybe we'll do another, uh, when we get to 1,000, maybe we'll come back around and yeah, maybe discuss we'll, we'll 1,000. Yeah, maybe like, like an in-depth, like, of some special releases or whatnot, or like, what are our favorite releases? Or yeah, maybe we'll do a list of episode of some of our favorite yeah. releases and discuss each release. Um, but for now, that will be it for this episode of the Cinema Discovery Project. Andrew, where can you be found? You can you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings. You can uh, also find me posting all my goodies that I buy on my Instagram, that is Cinema Discovery Project. You can find the audio for this podcast on Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, not iTunes anymore, apparently. Yeah, they're getting rid of it. They're getting rid of it. It's dead. And that will be it for this episode. Thank you for listening, and hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will.